The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. Hey, uh, this morning we're going to continue the Everything series. And um, so I, I wanted to address uh, an issue that, that sometimes is a topic of conversation, sometimes it isn't. Folks who are in Mosaic, folks who are outside Mosaic, and and uh, I thought before we go any further in the, in the conversation regarding everything, which opens it up to almost anything, is to talk about uh, uh, why we do what we do. And, you know, why folks get up early in the morning and drive over here to set this place up, why folks come, why uh, people spend time coming here, why I chose to leave a fairly well-paying position to do this. Boy, that was an implication that this wasn't a wealth. Well, when you work one day of the week, you're not making a lot of money. It's just coffee money at that point. And then, um, and and uh, and why it is that we do what we do and, and what we're about. And I'm glad that I, I, I that this kind of like almost like on record, so that folks and friends who ask you about Mosaic, um, and it's it's a name that almost implies nothing in some ways, right? You know. Uh, we're not the uh, first friendly community church of you know this, that, and the other. But, oh, I get it, the church. And we don't have a biblical name that means nothing to people who don't know the Bible, but it sounds kind of cool and esoteric to people who kind of know. Like, we're not Mars Hill, this of the latter Greek Koinonia movement, you know. We're not named after some seminary student out of Talbot. So the thing is, is that um, the... Uh, little jab. So we just, you know, mosaic, you know, a, 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 art, a piece of art that, that is, when, when light hits it, it becomes something beautiful and it has to be assembled by an artist. And so we see that from the scriptures even as, a, as the body of Christ is fitly joined together and we live out the God story. We become something lovely. So before we begin, um, let's take a moment to pray and then I'll jump into this talk with you. And Father, I, I do thank you for being a, a good God who does love us and care about us. And, and so I pray that as I, I, I start this conversation and we're in it, that folks leave with a greater appreciation of you. And not only just an appreciation, and maybe not even just an understanding of why we do what we do, but they would step into a unique connection to you through your son, Jesus Christ. This is why we do what we do and who we're about. And it's in your son's name, our savior, our Lord Christ, for his glory, that his influence and his reign would increase in our lives in this community. Amen and amen. Psalm 34, verse 8 says this. Psalm 34, verse 8. And this is um, in, the mes- in a, uh, uh, a version called The Message. So you may not have it, but it'll be on the screen behind me. And it says this. It Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. I, I have been a follower of Jesus long enough to know that, that at times, often when people speak about being connected to a good God, that's not how it feels like on this side. Is that fair or is that just me? Okay, so one or two people who are being honest here. And there are times, um, especially if, for example, um, you know, you're reflective at all or thoughtful or, or, or um, you know, you, you take time to just see how things work and how people live their life and just, you know, the, the incredible good fortune you have to live in the West, to be in America, you know, how incredibly fortunate, how your life expectancy has just been increased by your zip code, um, that it seems odd that there seems to be so much 
that is not right, not fair, not good around the world. And then you experience levels of pain and loneliness and, and it seems to be incredible darkness and you just think, you know, well, where is God if he's good? Which is a, a conversation I find is interesting when I have it with myself because I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm assuming that then I'm more fair than God or more kind than God and therefore he ought to take care of all these problems out there. Anything that's evil out there. Don't, don't, don't impose your power, your presence on my evil, but everybody else's you should deal with. And so I realize that there are times when um, you hear the phrase or get this notion that God is good. That's not always what it feels like to be on this side of being a believer. And yet, this is what you know, we, we put out there that yeah, God is good, he's kind. That there is a God who's actually there. Uh, that it's not just a force that's impersonal, but a being that has all the components of personality, you know, I- emotion, will, intellect. A being that has sufficient power in himself that is not contingent on anything else, that he can speak something into existence. You know, create ex nihilo out of nothing. You know, for those of us who uh, consider ourselves creative or artistic, we always use the stuff around us to create. You follow? So in a sense, we're, we are creating something new, but it's not out of nothing. It's always with the stuff around us. And so we are, in the guess you might say, as sub-creators in that respect. So I know that sometimes my task in speaking to folks here and, and friends that I have and um, and, you know, people who are not part of a spiritual community is to simply help them try to understand something they've never experienced before. Like, for example, if you knew somebody who was born blind or had, did not have the ability to see, how would you describe blue? You know, where do you begin? You know, do, do you, you know, or if you tried to describe blue as a scent, how would you describe blue as a scent, right? And, and that's actually sometimes the problem that you're dealing with. That's actually the tension when you're explaining what it is to be a follower of Jesus to somebody who at, at that moment is not. Um, recall having a conversation with somebody just Thursday night and uh, we spent dinner together and then we ended up at, our, at my home and as we're, we're, we're speaking and, and knowing a bit of this story of this, of this particular person's life and uh, you know, some of the places they have been and where they've, how they have or have not managed their sexuality and some other issues. You know, I, I thought, I've known this person for about a year, year and a half and, and they've been here a few times. I thought it'd be a good time to just really be very direct and ask the question, have you connected to God through Jesus Christ or is that still in the future for you? And, and, and oddly, you know, it was, it was strange because they actually said to me, you know, I, am, I, am, I know I'm closer, but it's still in the future for me. And I realized I can have a lot of respect for a person that has that level of integrity to, to have that level of self-awareness that I, am, I know I'm not. I enjoy coming to Mosaic. My friend who I live with tells me I'm a better person when I come home from being at Mosaic. But I have too much integrity to say I'm a follower of Jesus and continue the way I am as a person. Um, 
And so it's, it, it's sometimes you're, you're tasked as a follower with, with explaining and trying to unwrap something that can only be experienced to be known. And yet, I think at times, well-meaning people who wish to, quote, share their faith, evangelize, um, you know, I... <laughs> this is not to speak against anybody's life work, but I think of the money and the expense and the Herculean effort that goes behind a large stadium crusade where they're trying to harvest people's lives. And I think, I know from being on the inside of that organization at one point, when you have a 2 to 3% maybe return rate after a year, was that the best use of resources? That one person alone would be like this person who could explain the faith? Or would it make sense perhaps to help folks understand that you know, none of us have any problem in sharing what we believe or what we enjoy when you found a good thing, right? You get a good deal on your, I don't know, a radio, a shirt, a pie, a pie? I'm talking like a Hispanic, like, oh yeah, the, the Facebook or something, you know, adding nouns where they're not necessary. A piece of pie, uh, for example. And you're like, hey, I just found this cool thing, and da-da-da-da-da. That for some reason, and I get this because there's so much weirdness out there regarding Jesus that, you know, we're a little bit hesitant. And so we take an opposite approach that we never bring up the conversation in belief that somehow that it'll just happen by osmosis. And in some cases, oddly, it does. Folks connect to Christ without people actually inviting them in. But I, I chose not to do that this morning. I wanted to be very direct with all of you that I have an agenda. Uh, yeah, I come up here and we talk about movies. We laugh about that and make fun of each other. Mostly you, me, and that kind of thing. And, uh, and we do all that. But, but I, I, I'll tell you up front that my, my goal, my desire, is that everybody that walks in here, Hindu, Buddhist, agnostic, gay, straight, um, illustrated, not illustrated, employed, not unemployed. Well, most of us unemployed, but the employed and what, that, that you all meet God through Jesus Christ and begin your journey. And, and I don't have any need to make you feel bad about yourself so that you'll hear the good news about Jesus, which is the script that many times folks have experienced, quote, the gospel. So you have a person who's happy and healthy and has integrity. And for many followers of Jesus, that person's an anomaly. Like, how do I make that person feel bad so that I can tell them about Jesus? Well, why do you have to make them feel bad to tell them about Jesus? Jesus is good news, not good news to bad news sort of thing. You follow? And I know for many people, the good news is knowing that there's an actual reality that I can anchor my life to. The good news for some people is that there's actually a destiny and a purpose to history, that it's moving towards a conclusion. It might be for some folks that it is that I am loved and can be part of a community, you know, that I, um, I'm surrounded by friends and success and, and, I, and I enjoy my life, but there are moments where I feel incredibly, incredibly alone, and I, I wonder, is that just the human condition or is there something wrong with me?
beat a dead horse about Jesus. This is what we do. You might say, having come from a sales analyst background, a marketing background, technology, this is the product that we sell. This is what we offer. We, we, we do not believe that cool is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, I think making sense to be relevant so that we speak the language that, of the culture that we find ourselves in. But in the end, if, if some of you leave here thinking that we don't care about Christ, we've blown it. We want to be unabashedly Christian and yet open to anyone who comes into our lives in this community. Make sense? Okay. John chapter 14, verse 6 in the message says this, Jesus said, I am the road and also the truth, also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. I am the road, also the truth, also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. Um, I, I hope that we grow up a little bit and recognize that uh, for somebody who's pushing back, it says, well, that sounds so exclusive and you know, you Christians always have this arrogant view that you're always right and and blah, 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 blah. And I, and I get that. But, you know, with all due respect, I mean, you're, you're, you're not thinking. Everybody thinks they're right, even when they're wrong. How does wrong feel like to you? It feels right, doesn't it? That's why you're wrong, because you don't even know you're wrong, because it feels right. Some of you are thinking, I want ice cream, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the reason why you're wrong is because it's right. And you thought you were right, even though you were wrong, but you were wrong because you didn't know that you were wrong because it felt right. And there's sometimes that when you're right, it feels wrong though, doesn't it? Even though it's right, right? <laughs> I know, right? You know? <laughs> Philosophy major, I'm just practicing. So, um, so uh, I, I recognize that it may sound that way, um, but I recognize there's something to learn from every major world religion. In fact, our next series, The Truth Among Us, will be an example of that. We're not arrogant enough to think that we, don't, we can't learn from other people, other leaders, other faiths. Um, but, I, but I'm going to make the case for what I believe most believers would say is the uniqueness about Christ. And then I'll add this caveat. If this is not for you, awesome. You're still welcome here. We're still friends. And I'm convinced that anyone who attempts to practice the teachings of Jesus and mimic his lifestyle, you'll still be a better person. In fact, I'll put this out to you. If you think of any admirable trait, any good thing about a person or humanity, any, any uh, you know, honorable human quality or trait is there any one of them that cannot be epitomized in the life of jesus servanthood courage sacrifice friendship love devotion loyalty i mean is there one that says oh yeah jesus didn't do that and so the life of jesus is compelling and it's interesting and it caused folks from agnostics to saints from military leaders to politicians to wonder who was this person I'll even get to a punchline here for just a moment, just to consider this. That if Jesus is not who he says he is, then he's nothing. And you shouldn't listen to him at all. You, you can't say things like, I'm the son of God, and be a good moral teacher. 
there, there's a level of either lunacy or self-delusion or if he knew that he wasn't and said those things uh, of evil and deception that if, if if this is untrue what else is not true you know, he if if you can find him being dishonest or mistaken at any of his levels of teaching then I, i'm going to suggest he's not reliable at all so the road or destiny i think this is for the person that wonders where or am i going and, and what is the meaning of life what does it matter some of you maybe in your 20s or 30s you begin to um you get a job you get married um, you start to settle into what feels like a routine and then it feels like a rut then you realize a rut is just a grave with the ends kicked out and you're in your early 20s maybe mid 30s and you're beginning to feel that the the mundaneness of life like man what am i where am i going what what what, what does it matter if you're alert at all and you begin to read a little bit about history and life and you see there's just one war after another civilizations rise and fall people live and die am i going to be just that person that just you know who who or what matters that i even existed Do you like who you're becoming? Do you even like who you are? You know, I, I there are people and friends in my life who not only do I love them, but I like them. You, know, you follow? Because you know how family is, right? You always love your family. You don't always like them, right? And then there's people that you love and like and respect. It'd be great if that was always family, but it isn't. So let me ask you about yourself. Are you a person that, that you respect your own life? I like who I am. And if not, then where are you going? And I know for many, and men in particular, and, and, and women have this tension as well, it's not as if it's absent in your life, but because there seems to be this imposed, whether it's a social construct or whether it's just because, you know, we're supposed to be out there working, bringing home the money, that, um, that you want to validate yourself as a human being. And so you have to have some sort of title, property. I mean, I think men in general are always playing king of the hill. You know, who's the strongest, who's the fastest, who's the baddest. And it's funny, I think there's one thing that's different about men and women. Hey, I learned something. Is that, um, that, that in many ways, this is why I think men enjoy sports and other even awful people, because we kind of live our lives through them. So if someone else succeeds, we're like, oh, yeah, you know, go me somehow. I'm part of that. It's when it's, what's, that's what I find interesting or funny when people say, uh, I was there for my team. Like, really? What, what exactly did you do on, on the field other than slosh, uh, you know, a soda and a beer and a hot dog? I mean, you know, okay, your team won, but anyway, I don't get sports. So that's, that's always my jerseys with the names of the athlete. Okay, I don't get it, but that's me. So if, if you, have you found anything to live for, found anything that, like, man, I, I, I'm excited about doing this. I, I, I enjoy doing that thing. When I do that thing, I am really, I'm alive. It matters to me what I do for other people. When I'm, whether it's, it's cooking, whether it's building this carpentry thing, whether it's the car thing. And, and so this is why I totally understand folks who get into all sorts of hobbies. They enjoy it. And then they have community there as friends as well with um these are my peeps, my tribe, my people, my gente. Because you feel like you're doing something together. 
But I know what happens when folks don't find that thing or when they, they gave themselves to a thing and they realize it's not the thing. Like there was a time I actually thought that politics mattered to a degree. I'm not crapping on politics. I'm just saying I realize it's it's not it's it's just it's just managing chaos. It's not really solving a lot of problems at times. And I realize there's people to hear and say, No, you're wrong, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine, I'm wrong. But I got the mic. And so I can <laughs> and you don't. So I get to say what I want. <laughs> But what I mean by that is that I, you know, I, I was that guy that worked on the first Bush campaign and wanted to be the young Hispanics for Reagan guy, and you know that mattered to me. Like this is the thing that's going to save the world, and I realized no, it, it it adds to the conversation, but no, it hasn't yet, and it won't ever. This is why I, I said to you uh, the day that our president was elected. You know, someone said well, you need to say something. Like what? That half of you in the audience think that the world just went to hell and the other half of you think it just got saved. Either way, we're supposed to pray for our president, which I do, and you ought to as well, if you call yourself a good follower of Jesus. That's in our book. And to speak ill of people in power is wrong, period. But these economic policies, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. Totally. <laughs> So if people don't find that thing, I know what happens. Most angry people are people that haven't found or lost their purpose. They lost their way. They don't have anything going for them. Whether it's a feel of failure or, you know, you become angry or apathetic in public, but in private there's a, there's a little bit of despair you're feeling because you're beginning to have a sense, a creeping sense, even a, a, like you almost deny it. I don't have a purpose. Where am I headed to? And I believe Jesus offers hope. Listen, I know you can go without food for so long. I know you can go with water for so long. I know you can literally go through life without having booze. What a life that would be, though, I don't know. I know that you can go through life doing a lot of things, but you cannot live as a person without hope. Even if it's false hope, you have to believe there's some reason to get out of bed. Right? And I know what it feels like to not want to get even out of bed. What for? And so one of our core values of creativity being the result of spirituality is this is the context of where it comes from. That when a man or a woman connects to God through Jesus Christ, that something comes alive in them that, that probably was not there before. And as a result, all the amazing ways that they were designed and built can come to life. Now, here's... One thing I'm going to suggest, that if you're a follower of Jesus and your your life feels mundane or dull or routine, can you hear me say something like this? Can you push back? It's like, well, you know, if I was younger, if I was this, if I was in a different work environment, I'm going to suggest to you that um, you're mistaken. That at some level, somewhere along the line, you have... You, you, maybe you just have some work to do between you and God. There's a conversation you ought to have. Here's my struggle with people who say that to me as followers of Jesus. I, I don't, cannot mentally assess how you can claim to be connected to the God of the universe, who was known as the artist before he became the engineer after Newton, and say, I don't feel alive. I, 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 it's, if there's anything about God that seems to be evident over and over again, is that he brings life into situations. He resurrects dead marriages. He resurrects the souls and the bodies of men and women. 
He brings life to lifeless forms into chaos. The Genesis story. The John 11 story. The Jesus story. So it, it's it's difficult for me to say, if you say to me that I, I'm connected to God, I just feel alive, I don't think this is really true. I, I, I don't think that's a referendum on what I'm saying. I think that's a referendum about you. And if you're honest, that that would be the first step towards connecting and feeling alive again, is that somewhere along the line, I began to believe some other false thing about myself. John chapter 14, 6, again, when Jesus says, I am the world, I'm also the truth, also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. The, the question sometimes I ask people, um, you know, I, uh, about sharing my faith, you know, people say uh, they believe in all sorts of interesting things. And that's usually the, the question I usually ask everybody is, oh, how's that working out for you? And I've had people, women to men, get so pissed off at me. And they say, I, I don't like the tone of your question. <laughs> no, you don't like your answer is what you don't like. That's what you don't like. Because that's a, that question is morally neutral. <laughs> I didn't ask, you know, how is it living with a mother so ugly? You know, I didn't ask you a question like that. I just asked you, how's that working? Don't, oh, look at you. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to go on. So the point is that, you know, so, oh, I, I am, you know, I, this is how I believe about relationships. And uh, I had one person disagree with me regarding, the, you know, the last two weeks of sex talks. Well, I think blah, blah, blah. And, Okay. Hey, at least you have integrity. I mean, hey, I, you didn't tell me that you think, oh, Pastor, thank you. Yes, I believe that. You said, I'm not doing that. Oh, awesome. How's that working for you? It was, the, And there was that half second, that micro expression, stuff I learned from watching TV. Lie to me. Oh. <laughs> I saw that. It's not working for you, and you're just trying to convince yourself that it is. And I don't care what it might be. People who give themselves to their work, to their politics, to their church even, an identity. And and if you take that away, it would I cease to exist somehow. No, you don't. Have you found something that you feel you could absolutely trust? You've um, if you've been here at all for a while, you've often heard me say security is an illusion. We like to believe that we have some control and security. We lock our doors at night, set the alarm, put money away for a rainy day, um, take care of yourself, you eat right, don't. You drink lots of water, quit smoking, smoke less, drink less, you know, safety belted on. And all with the illusion that we're secure in our lives. Now, I, I'm not that kind of guy that says, if you die tonight, will you go to hell? But be honest with yourself. You're hoping that your life is secure, but it isn't. It's an illusion that helps us sleep at night. Do you have a confidence that there's somebody or something that you could always trust and count on that it will not change even if I change? I recall, um, I think it was Pride and Prejudice, uh, and I don't know if it's a line from the from the, the movie or the character was reading a, a line from a poem that said, love is not love that alters when alteration defines. What is it someone said? 
is it Shakespeare? But I remember when we, my wife and I watched that movie and I told her it was Shakespeare, and that I, um, I think, whoa, that's a great line. I'm going to steal it. I'm going to make it mine. I can't. I can't. Yeah, I'm going to make Bill Shakespeare my stuff. Love is not love that alters when alteration it finds. So um, let's talk about dating or marriage, whatever, right? You know, did I really love the person? Or did I love my ideal of that person when I find out they're not the person I thought I was loving? Follow? Now you get it? Okay. This was the attraction to me to God. I, I, I didn't have a fear of hell. I wasn't looking for truth. I didn't have any deep questions of life. I just wanted to know that anybody loved me. Because I had not... I understood it from my family. I mean, I felt like, well, they have to take care of me on their kid. But when you're a young child and you're getting the crap beat out of you by both your parents, you begin to wonder, if your parents beat you, you must not be a very lovable type of person. You follow? Or love-worthy. So that was a huge attraction to me. In that respect, that was the good news. That God, who was this amazing being, and this is the one amazing right thing my parents had, had different, they exposed me to the transcendence of God in a uh, Roman Catholic setting which I'm forever grateful for. I got the notion that there was a God and sit down for this, and I'm not it. And I understood there was this huge gap between he and I. And then the course began to struggle. How do I connect? And I began that, you know, I want to connect to that person, not knowing that he had already been looking for me. See, for some of you, that's the thing that perhaps is the most attractive thing about God or about Christ. It's not that you struggle with wondering if he's there. You know he's there, but you just think he couldn't be there for you. You would not love him. But that is the reality. Jesus loves. God is love. Um, and, and I recognize folks who, you know... Um, My wife will tell you, I'm, I'm, I, I, am, I am a junior high school kid in a crowd. You know, I'm that typical, in a crowded room of strangers, it's like, look at all these people I get to meet. You know, I'm like, it's like candy in a store, you know. I want to just yell out, Facebook, my name's Octavio, you know, let's be friends. I was really embarrassing because I was once doing this little movie. It was in uh, Amsterdam. I was just filming the streets, and I was I caught myself talking out loud on the video. Wow, look at all these amazing people. They're so interesting. I wish I could be their friends. And I like, <laughs> you're a lonely, lonely man. <laughs> uh, any rate, the point, and there is one, was that I, I, there's some folks, you know, you, you're, you're inviting into your life to be friends with them and, and, and you, you, you sense almost this thorny pushback because there's this fear of being known. You've heard me say that we have an incredible need to be known and loved in that order and both. If you're known but not loved, it just confirms that you're a horrible person and not worthy of being loved. But if you're loved and you feel that you're really not known, then it confirms that if they did know you, they wouldn't love you. So I know the tension that people live in that respect, but if you're known and loved as God knows and loves us, that's extremely liberating. 
But people who have a fear of being close have that, you know, well, if they really knew me, they wouldn't love me. If they really got to know who I am in my darkness, they, would, they wouldn't respect me or want me near them. And, and that isn't the way it is with Christ. And so, in that respect, in, in public, the way that person lives out their lives, and maybe this might be you, you have friends, but you never really allow yourself to get close to too many people. But when, and when you do, and if you've opened the door a little bit and you allow people to see who you are, you you, you know, like, oh, crap, and you pull back and you get away. They're the kind of people that kind of fight in and out of relationships and friendships. Maybe, like I said, maybe you're that person. Um, and you pretend to not be concerned with rules. You know, um, and so you publicly live out your life. And in private, you're incredibly, incredibly lonely. So, as you've also heard me say, and I, I'm, I'm trying to explain all the context for some of the short things that I've said that actually come with years of living life and, and living out the scriptures. This is why I, I've often joked and said, love wins. Do you understand if God is there, okay? And I, I'm going to give you the fact that maybe it's possible he's not. But if he's there, he could overwhelm us into a connection with him. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, he could just show up and be huge and be big and just say, hi, I'm here. Kind of, you know, follow? Just this, just show up. <clears throat> and we would all be amazed, I think, at a supreme being. Come on, look. We, we watch movies about aliens, extraterrestrial life. A thing shows up and you're like, oh, they're all odd. So what if the creator showed up of everything? I think we'd be impressed. Like, wow, that's something I haven't seen before. I think I'll follow. You know what he does instead? And this is, this is so amazing to me. Understand this is the story of God. He bets the entire farm on love. That he that he that he's attractive enough, compelling, loving, that you will love him. And oddly, I this he wants to love him. Not in a creepy, weird, needy way, you know love me, you know, sending drunk texts at night or something, but here's the other weirdness to me, I, I, this is the part that's other surprising to me is that he'll take us on any superficial love you see, there, some of us have enough self-respect that if we knew the person who said that they loved us really only loved the fact that we had money or that we were attractive or that we that maybe we opened the door for them to like, oh, you know what? Hey, man, I want someone who loves me. God is even willing to take us at that level. I just need help. I want you to help me. My life's not working. You know, I, I want to connect to you. Oh, I'll take you. And I, I will commit all of my life to you, even though, even though you just you just want to be friends. I'm willing to marry you. I, I mean, my commitment is marriage, even though you just want to be friends. Even though I know you're going to cat around. Even though I know you're going to sleep around on me, I'll still marry you. That's the story of the Old Testament. God often spoke about Israel as being this whore or the prostitute that would, that would cheat on him. And he would explain, this is how my heart breaks when you leave. It feels like a husband whose wife has slept with another man. And I know it. That, that's always been a very, you know, I, I get romance stories. I love the rom-coms category in Netflix. Um, but 
This is the rom-com of all rom-coms. Jesus also said, I am the road, also the truth, also the life. Um, no one gets to the Father apart from me. So who do you need in your life? And you need this person. Like, you know, the fish needs water. Um, who do you really need? Like if, if they were absent from your life, you would be diminished. It's an interesting question because sometimes I struggle with that, thinking like, I, I, you know, I, I know that my wife and I are two individual separate human beings. I'm back, let me go further. Do you remember the first time you understood your parents were not always your parents? Did your parents one time dated somebody else? You, yeah, oh, yeah, it's creepy. It bugs you, right? Because you just think, my parents, they were, didn't they grow up together? Weren't they born? You know, they, they were my parents. Mom dated somebody else but dad? Go mom. You know, like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, and, and yet, you know, I think... Uh, how, you know, 32 years of marriage, who would I be if Lily wasn't around? Who would she be? Oh, I remember one time writing this stupid story. We were driving one day someplace, I don't know, taking her out to dinner, I bought her something nice, and she said something about, I don't know what I would do. And, and I, you know, I was feeling so amazing about myself, like, oh my gosh, my poor wife, who would fill my shoes? Who could take my place? Surely she would be diminished and suffer. And I was thinking all these amazing things about myself. And in, in, you know, in a split second, you can write just incredible stories about how marvelous you are. And I was enjoying them, luxuriating in them, like a warm jacuzzi. Oh, yeah, that's what I did. If I died, you'd be nothing. And in a split second later, she said, I just couldn't go through this again. <laughs> Pulled over, put in the park. What the hell did you just say, woman? <laughs> Only those of you who are married understand that. You know, the, the, the solution to, to uh, well, this is going to sound simplistic. The solution to, I think, everyone's problem is going to be the fact that they know that someone loves them and they belong somewhere. They belong into a community, a tribe, whatever you want to call it. Uh, almost every problem... I've seen folks deal with, and I've had a conversation with a good friend of mine who's, uh, I respect her her mind, her commitment to Christ, and just the lovely person that she's becoming. And, and when we've had conversations about how people are damaged and how they get fixed, and it, it often comes back to, you know, when people have friends or family that love them, that's almost half the battle, isn't it? I recall we had a, we had a family member who um, was in an institution and uh, I mean, gosh, if you're not crazy, I mean, you would go nuts being in that awful place. And, and so my wife, you know, just being the generous person that she was, she, we took her out of that place and she lived with us for a short time. And my wife would just help her just, you know, get out of bed and get dressed and have breakfast with us and the kids and go for walks and just spend time with her. And it was amazing about a month and a half of just sincere love can clear up a person's mind. How many lives, how many people are living beneath their capacity because they've never experienced love? That, that actually keeps me up at night. I actually think about that sometimes at night. I, I, I'm lying next to a woman who has committed her life to me, who visited me once in the hospital after I self-injured. We were married. Of course, I did have, I did do something right in that moment. Apparently, 
in my delusional state, I was calling out her name. Because I loved her. But I didn't know that. But um, the patient in the room next to me said, Oh, hey, are you Lilia? Yeah. Oh, he's been calling for you. I had game even in my delusion. Even mentally ill, I was mojo. <laughs> Who could resist that? A lunatic calling out for you. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to tell you that um, most of us in this community are probably a little more jacked up than you are. The, the thing is, is that I, I'm pretty sure that if you got to know us long enough, uh, Sooner or later, we might let you down to be a disappointment and stuff. And that might be because you just held us in a higher regard than you ought to. That we are all in the same boat together. One of us has many, others have few, but we all have something that we're working and struggling processing. That's just the human story. But I'm convinced of this, that you will never, ever be disappointed in following Jesus. There's not going to be a time you thought, oh, I thought Jesus would be there. Or I thought, oh, he lied to me. Or, wow, he, you know, he betrayed me. Or he wasn't telling the truth. It's just never going to be your experience. It's just never going to be your experience. And I also am convinced of this, that Mosaic Whittier will only matter, and I will only be in this game, if we are people who live out the life of Jesus and we are as a group committing to promoting Jesus beyond and before even ourselves. We will look for ways to serve Whittier. We will look for ways to be a benefit and a, and a, and a, and a, you know, a help to people. It doesn't matter who you are, how you live, what your background is. We want to be people who bless and help others with others. But we are unabashedly lovers of Jesus Christ, struggling and trying to figure out how to live out the Jesus life in our time and culture. We don't think there was ever a time everybody got it right. We don't think we're the last, and we don't even think we're the best game in town. You know, you want to go to an amazing children's program. We have we have an amazing children's program, but you want to hear something amazing like rides and balloons and firecrackers, you can go to Whittier area. They do a great job there. Like, oh, I don't think you teach the Bible, though. Well, that's because you want to be taste. But if you really want to, hey, you want Bible expository year after year, month after month, go to Calvary Chapel. They do a great job of that. We are who we are, you know? <laughs> mosaic or bits of broken pieces joined together by an artist that becomes a thing of beauty when the light hits it. And we believe that that artist is Christ, and we put it together as Christ, and we believe that our lives are made lovely because of Christ. And finally, I want to say this before we close. Thanks for being patient. All of you have a guest card or a piece of paper that you came in with. And I, I, we, I don't want to miss this opportunity if you are a person that says, you know what, I have ponder this and I want to become a follower of Jesus I don't know what it means and I'm not sure what I'd have to do but today I want to make that decision I, would you please put that in that guest card so that we can reach out with you and talk with you and if you don't want to do it on the guest card um, back in the resource table where Miss Charisma is and um, there's free literature free Bible we'll just give it to you the free devotional material we'll just give it to you we want you to meet the person that loves you the most more than your parents more than your friends or family and if you just want to chat for a moment, I'll be back there. You can um, ask whatever question you have. I don't have all the answers, but I, I'm pretty sure I can help you ask the right questions as well. Hey, will you join me in a word of prayer? Father, um, thank you for being good. And I realize even in this moment, 
and that I feel that my answers are impartial at best. But what I hope is that you will continue the conversation with my friends and with my family here. I pray that by your Holy Spirit that you would continue to lead us into truth. I pray, Father, that, that the Holy Spirit would continue to lift up Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, so that all men and women will be drawn to him. And it's in your name we ask. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.